Good evening and welcome to Direct Impact Broadcasting, the station of growth and transformation. Affiliate of Creative Broadcasting presents Leadership Tidbits with Coach T. Wilson with your host, Taiwana Wilson, as she welcomes her guest to the studio. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to another episode of Leadership Tidbits. I am your host and leadership mentor, Taiwana Wilson. As always, I have another very special, amazing mentor who is in our learning laboratory tonight. But before I introduce her, please come on in. Come in, introduce yourself so that we can welcome you in and make sure you share this message out because I think, matter of fact, I know that this is going to be a message that's going to be very impactful for you in your career, in your business, really for your personal brand. So I think this is going to be impactful for you. So come on in and introduce yourself and let us know where you are coming in from again, so that we can welcome you in. And while we are, are waiting for you to come in, I do have a couple of announcements that I wanted to make sure that I bring to your attention of some upcoming events that uh, we are having, and I don't want you to miss out. So that's why I'm, I'm, I'm listening. You got to be in the room. You got to be in the room for these activities. So the first thing that we have coming up on Thursday, if you haven't already, we have our virtual mentoring workshop that will be on Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can scan the QR code to register. This month, I am covering your fee to get in. So you want to come in and check it out. Our monthly mentoring workshops are part of our Standout Leader Academy Elite Memberships. So who you learn from matters and being in the room where you can get the support and mentoring that you need definitely matters. So make sure you come and check that out, because if you're like, eh, I want to see how it is, come check it out and, and you'll see the ongoing mentoring that you will get month after month. Also, if you're a medical laboratory professional and you haven't already, our February roundtable is coming up with our mentor, Lona Small, where she will be talking about medical lab professionals addressing the career progression challenge. And so there is a registration fee for that. It's only 20 bucks. But if you are a member, it's only $99 for the year. So you do better getting the annual membership, plus those who register for the annual membership by February 23rd, you will get my awesome Land Your Dream Job Toolkit. That's worth over $297. So listen, nice. it, to me, it only makes sense. I'm a girl that loves science and with science comes math. And to me, that's basic. For $99, you're getting the Land Your Dream Job Toolkit that has all kind of awesome stuff in there. And you're getting your membership for the year. So you're getting access. So I would say come check it out and I will see you at the table. So, okay, let's go on with what we have today. We have, a, like I said, another awesome mentor 
who I'm excited to have in the building with us. And her name is Cassa. Hi, Hi. Cassa. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me, Coach T. I appreciate it. Anytime. I'm super excited to have you in. I will read a little bit of your bio, but me reading it does not do justice because I know you have so much great stuff. So I'll read a little bit about you. So Cassa Grant is the creator of Wonder Brand and Wonder Leader, the coaching programs that help you show up as the kind of leader you want to follow. She helps leaders and small businesses create brands that let them be understood, be interesting, and inspire change. Whoa. Hey. <laughs> Elaborate <laughs> further. <laughs> big three right there. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, when you're a leader, these are the things that make the most difference, aren't they? If you can't be interesting, people don't care what you're saying. And if you can't, um, if they don't care what you're saying, you can't get buy-in, you can't get the things done that you think that need to get done. So all, what we're going to talk about today is a lot about how to, con like concrete ways to do that so that you're not just over there spinning your wheels. Because um, we want you to show up as the kind of leader that you want to follow. <laughs> Absolutely. That's very important. And now more than ever, you really only have a few minutes to show up. It's like people, mm -hmm. listen, they want to know who you are. They want to be able to see what they're going to get from you right away. Mm -hmm. So I'll let you kind of take it away from there. I have my notebook and I'm ready to write down my notes. Oh, thanks. Okay. So, well, as you mentioned, so I, I focus on, I, uh, I specialize in, in me and branding because that was my um, background. I was a copywriter for years and I did create brands and personal brands for clients. Um, and then I also started to see this overlap with leadership. So I was always passionate about leadership uh, for a long time, actually. And I started to see like people who were good leaders, actually, um, when it came to the nitty gritty of thinking about their people and that kind of thing, they struggled because they didn't have strong personal brands or they weren't able to communicate in a way that really connected with the people that they needed to connect with. And that can be people above you if you're trying to get a, ra uh, a, you know, a raise or a, a promotion. Or it can also be your employees when you're trying to help them understand why you want them to do something the way you want it done, what they need to do, how they, you want and how you don't want them to do it, which actually how not to do things can be just as important as how to do them sometimes, right? So mm -hmm. um, creating that personal brand to help you, it, it basically just anchors everything you do. It's your reputation. And so we are creating it no matter what, no matter every single action that you take, everything, single thing you say is creating your reputation. So a personal branding used to sound really just self-centered to me. I just thought, oh, really? <laughs> you got your personal brand? Like, you know, it just sounded, it felt like an Instagram influencer or somebody who seemed really stuck on themselves. I thought that it just seemed really stupid. Um, but the more I got into some of this stuff and started thinking about, well, actually, you know what? It's not just, it's, it's your reputation. It's you figuring out what kind of reputation do I want to cultivate? how do I want people to see me? This is how they already see me. And that's important too. But how do I want to be seen, you know, and, and sitting down and really thinking about those things, a lot of people don't do that. And so they just kind of have this default personal brand, which necess isn't necessarily bad. It's just that you're not being intentional about it. And I think that it's so it's always worth it to sit down and be intentional about what you want to do and where you want to go. So I kind of think of it as that as well of like, okay, well, we've, we've, we've defined these goals, we've defined this thing that we're headed towards and here's how we're going to get here and here's how we're going to talk about it while you're while you're getting there 
So um, the framework I want to talk about today, so a lot of that is around how you tell your stories. And um, a lot of my clients struggle. So I say I work with offbeat leaders and I uh, would characterize an offbeat leader as somebody who maybe didn't get an MBA or follow what you would call a traditional career path, which I think is getting less and less. I mean, it's more and more common to be an offbeat leader these days, I think. So maybe mm-hmm. I need to change my branding. But it, you, <laughs> the, the, the thing about the offbeat leader is that they usually have some kind of imposter syndrome about, I don't have this degree or I don't have, I wasn't on this path to begin with. And so maybe I'm not quite as legit as I want to be. Mm-hmm. And you probably see this with your clients a lot too. You know, I mean, you can come to leadership through all kinds of different ways. It doesn't, it's not that, oh, well, I was a little kid who wore a suit and tie and I always thought I was going to be a leader, you know, like mm-hmm. most of us come to it in a way that is very roundabout. Um, but these people, they might not have taken this path, but they find that as they're in these leadership roles, they start to, they really like it. They're actually pretty good at it, but they know that they could be better. And that's, those are the people that I really like to work with because, um, you know, they might have an alternative background or, I mean, my background is very, um, different in some ways. So, you know, I, I like to work with people who kind of think of themselves in that way. And one thing that a lot of them will struggle with is how to tell their story as well. So that's what I wanted to talk about today, because that's part of your brand, how you tell your story about yourself, how you tell your stories about yourself to yourself. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough or that kind of thing. Those are stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and also how you're telling stories uh, about your work to other people is so important, especially, like I said, if you want to be getting promoted, if you want to get buy-in from your team. So the framework that I wanted to talk about is called and button therefore. So I call it the ABT for short. It's not my original framework. It's uh, this guy who teaches at Arizona State um, came up with it with this other guy named Park Howell. So Randy Olson's the one who came up with it. And then Park Howell is who I learned it from. But it's such a simple framework and you'll probably start to hear it a lot as you start to think about when I start to talk about it, um, you'll hear it in all kinds of things. Um, so if you start, you basically, what you want to do is you always want to start with the context of whatever it is you're trying to tell somebody about just a little one line sentence thing of like, Oh, I'm telling you about how to tell stories. That's it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I know that a lot of people struggle with telling stories, but so that's the end, right? So you start with context and you go into, and then we go, but, but they either go talk, they talk too much, they talk, they go ramble on, <laughs> or they uh, don't tell enough, and then people are not interested in the story. And so then you go to therefore. So then right now I'm just doing it on you, basically. So therefore, or so, a lot of times you'll say so, you know, nobody's really going therefore. But so I have a framework that helps people tell stories really quickly and easily, helps people understand why they're important and uh, make sure that they are hard with impact and, and uh, get things done that they want to get done. So you start with the context, the and, the but, and the therefore. And there's a lot of different ways that you can do this. I actually teach this with all of my, like with, with clients who are doing big presentations, we actually overlay that um, structure onto any presentation that they're giving. So I've had clients who were asked to like create a new department or something like this. And we will go through that whole presentation because that, that our brains are hardwired for story. And if you don't connect with that hardwire, people just start to lose interest. Right. And mm-hmm. every single story has a protagonist. It has a problem and then it has a solution. And so that's what this really hits on all three of those things, even in a very simple story, or you can, you can use it for emails. You can use it for uh, social media posts. You can use it for when you're, um, like, so for example, if you were going to be delegating a task to someone, so say, 
Um, I mean, what's a common thing that people delegate? I'm just trying to think of something off the top of my head. It could be, let's just say scheduling. So Perfect. right now, organizations and managers are, are battling scheduling and making sure yes. they have resources to work. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Right. Okay. So yeah. So, so we say, all right, our organization is having a challenge with resources right now. So that's your context. Mm -hmm. And we can see that it's affecting the organization really it's impacting us. And you can say how, like, how would it be impacting them? Uh, people would be stressed out. The work wouldn't be getting done. That kind of thing. Usually you want kind of like three things that are happening. So, and this is happening, but we don't really know how to do it. This is where we kind of, the question comes in. Like, so what's the main problem? What's the main thing that's keeping them from doing this? Would you say? Keeping them from doing the scheduling. Yeah. And getting it right. Uh, they are overwhelmed or stressed out, not enough people to okay. plug in the holes. Perfect. Okay. So that's exactly, so that I'm making up, a, I'm going to make up a solution because it depends on the organization, right? But you would say, uh, but we don't have enough people to fill in the holes. So this could be something that you're talking as a senior leadership team to this. And then you would say, so therefore we're going to either, you know, cut certain types of tasks uh, we're going to make sure that the schedule is more is tighter and we're going to make sure that there's more efficiency. And here's how we're going to do that. So does that make sense? Because you're 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 you've got this whole story arc that makes it compelling. And it also gives your why, because people mm -hmm. need to know why they really you don't have to go far into it. You don't have to make it really complex, but they need to know the general reason why. Otherwise, they don't care. It doesn't really matter to them. There's no context. There's no meaning. And just by doing that with with basically all of your communications, if you can will really help you connect those lines between where you they are right now and where you want them to be and help them really get like, oh, yes, totally, I get that. And so mm -hmm. this is why we're doing it. You know, a lot of leaders really struggle with that. They're, you know, for example, of the scheduling thing, you, you most leaders would just say, uh, we are not doing these kind of tasks anymore. That's it. They wouldn't give any context. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't give any, here's why I'm doing it. And you don't, like I said, you don't need to get into it super hardcore, uh, like every single little detail, but without the context, people, then you get, a, you get a mutiny or you get people who are upset because they don't understand the full context because you didn't give it to them um, yeah. right off the bat. Does that make sense? I know it's it very, makes, very simple. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. And it's interesting that you say this because I was recent, recently in a leadership training and they actually gave a, a framework similar to this. And it was the, it was the same thing that using the power of stories in your branding or, you know, just in your communication and to get the message across is, is essential. And, and so this training for was for senior leaders or executives uh, within organizations around the world. And so it's very different than, you know, just communicating we're short staffed or we're short staffed. So figure we'll figure it out, you know, but to be able to get that buy in from your team mm -hmm. by being able to give that framework, it just makes it way more impactful. And, and then it lets everybody feel a part of the potential solution, too. Yeah, because, I mean, humans, we make meaning out of everything. And so if we don't help people understand the meaning behind what we're trying to communicate, they'll make it up. And generally, you don't want them to be making it up. <laughs> They're going to make up way worse meaning than, than what the reality is from you, right? So the more you can give them that context, the, the better it's going to go for you and for them. Um, 
So that that's, I mean, like I said, it's a very simple framework, but it really, uh, it, it just is so easy to use regularly. And you can go back through your emails or whatever and go, okay, where's my and, where's my but, there's, where's my therefore. And you don't, like I said, you don't necessarily have to say therefore. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times it's so, or because of this, we're going to something along those lines for the transition. But um, it, it just makes such a huge difference. And especially like the overlay for presentations too, because I mean, we've all been, we've all sat through super boring, super numbers, heavy presentations. And I'm not saying numbers don't matter. They definitely do, but they need to have context and they need to have story mm-hmm. or people just literally cannot remember them. Like your brain engages with stories. I mean, I wish I had, now I can't remember the numbers to, you know, talk about how much your brain engages with stories, but we remember them so much better. Um, and actually one thing that it's really funny, this song, you remember that song, um, Call Me Maybe, Call Me Maybe from mm-hmm. Carly Rae Jepsen that came out like 10 years ago. It's a perfect end button therefore. Hey, I just met you and this is crazy, but here's my number. So call me maybe. And that one really helps my <laughs> clients remember too of like, and you know, context and, but therefore, and, and of course that's, that song became a huge earworm that now we're going to be singing in our heads all day. Probably. Sorry about that. <laughs> but it's just such a great example of how simple it can be and how quickly it can work and how much it really just worms its way into your head. So, um, that I think is one of the most, you know, I mean, I have other storytelling frameworks, but that one is the one that is just so simple and so impactful and so easy for people to use. And the more you get known for being able to tell stories quickly, well, I mean, they don't have to be quick necessarily, but not with a lot of extraneous details that people don't need. But the more, more you can get known for telling stories like that, the more you build your brand and the more, the more influence you start to have because people understand that you get it. And that's what it's, you know, that's what they need to understand in order for you to, uh, you know, build your brand and keep moving up um, in a way that's appropriate for you. Wow. I think that, I think that's awesome. So it makes me think, so I am a medical laboratory scientist by background. So very technical. And a lot of times when people are introducing themselves, they, they, especially in my they tend to go heavy technical. Yes. <laughs> and and by the time they get out, you know, kind of what they do, the person is gone. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, and that okay, is, this is too much. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up because this is a perfect one to do for like your intro pitch, you know? So what kind of work did you do in your, uh, like, did you have anything in particular that you focused on in, in when you were a laboratory technician or technical laboratory doctor? I think that's what you said, right? Medical laboratory science. Medical laboratory science. So was there a particular um, niche that you had or something in particular that you worked on while you were doing that? So my uh, zone of genius is clinical chemistry and toxicology. So what does that mean? So like, you know, because I'm yeah, I'm 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 a dummy about this stuff. So, you know, what does that mean for me? So when people typically think of chemistry or toxicology, they think of drug screens. So like right now, when they think of toxicology, they think of CBD, CBD oils. Is my drug screen going to show up positive? Uh, How much of a drug is in my system before it shows up positive? When will it be out? I got a drug screen for pre-employment that I got to take. So that's one area. If I'm giving an example, that's typically one that I give because people that resonates with people. Uh, hearing about uh, marijuana or medical marijuana or CBDs, because those are things that are in the the news 
Uh, but on the chemistry side, uh, people tend to resonate more with glucose or somebody has diabetes or right. they say sugar. So yeah. it's in the chemistry area of the laboratory that that particular testing is done. Oh, great. So these are perfect. And this is what exactly what I'm talking about. So you could do an ABT with this because you can start with, and actually a lot of them, especially with the uh, elevator pitch type stuff, I'll usually start with, you know how, and that's actually inviting them into a story because they are starting to picture, they know this triggers this thing in their brain where they're like, oh, I do know how, like, I do know how drug tests work because we all have to take them at some point in our lives, right? <laughs> I do know that you need to test your blood glucose if you have diabetes, right? So you can start with something like that. Like, you know how, uh, you know, diabetics really need to test their blood glucose levels regularly or else they'll have major problems. Uh, they'll say yes. And they'll say, so, and you can go, um, and you know, also there's this thing with, uh, with the drug tests, like we do drug test stuff. I mean, I mean, this is really off the top of my head and really bad right now, but this You're is the fine. direction you go in. Um, but so what would be the main problem or the main thing about what you do that pe most people don't know? Is there any, but there that we can add in? Well, one of the things that people don't know is, you know, every methodology for drug screening is not the same. So you know, oh. every platform has a, a cutoff value, meaning that the level of detection between detected or not detected is not the same. So if you go to mm. my lab and then you go and have the in-home drug screen, it's not apples for apples. So mine may you know, be more sensitive is than what you may have uh, that you get at a drugstore or something like that. Super so people, interesting. Yeah. So people, they don't, they don't <clears throat> think about that. They'd be like, well, it was, it was negative on what I got from Amazon or somebody else. And now you're saying it's positive. And, and another thing that people don't think about is, you know, the sensitivity of my test could be testing for different metabolites uh -huh. than what the, in uh, what your, screen test for interesting see and so that's your butt right like you're differentiating what you do from a lot of other things that people don't know mm -hmm. right and so you can you can condense that a little bit but that i think would be really interesting right but most tests don't catch what needs to be caught in whatever way right like i'm just paraphrasing but mm -hmm. and so then you're there for is we need strong we need better tests my tests are more sensitive w would that be the differentiator for you like the thing that would be the therefore for you yeah yeah. Therefore, if you think you go cheat the system, you probably are not. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. You know, because there's the sensitivity and this is in my lab. And so this is where we get that sense. Like you, this is where this type of drug sensitivity testing can come from. So does that make sense? Like we just did that as a, as a real general example, well, not general, it was specific to you, but like a, a very loose example, but this is exactly how you use it in a, um, in an introduction. And that is interesting to people, right? Because they can relate it to themselves mm -hmm. or somebody they know and they can go, oh, wow, like I didn't know that. So there's the curiosity piece too. That's what the mm -hmm. butt is there for is like creating that tension. You know, like every story has to have attention. If you just say, I got up and went and made some coffee this morning and then I sat down and drank it. It's like, whoop you do. But if you say like, <laughs> I got up and I went to my coffee machine and there was a severed hand next to it that's a different story, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's a tension there and the curiosity goes off and the, you know, the, the, um, 
the, the excitement goes off in our brains of like, Ooh, what, what, what the hell, what's going on with this hand? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> so it's just like a really good way to bring that tension in. Cause people, we always want to close loops. We always want to know what is the, the, the answer to the loop. So um, what you said about most people don't know this, that's a great, but of they don't know this and this will be interesting to them. You've already, you've already drawn them into the story and then you help them get curious about, about your story. Cause yeah, I mean, I, I remember I was at a conference uh, years ago and this poor woman, especially you, you were just talking about this as the introduction thing. She had memorized, it must have been <laughs> five minutes of like an elevator pitch. And mm-hmm. the poor thing, I mean, I did, I did stand there with my eyes glazed over and like politely nod. Can I tell you what the <laughs> hell that thing was about? Absolutely not. Like I have no clue what she did or what it was about. All I remember is just how bored I was and how I was just like, there's no way I can get out of this. She wasn't even pausing to take a breath. <laughs> it was like she couldn't even go, I gotta go to the bathroom. Can you just hold it? For-? I mean, you could not get out of it. And it's just, you know, you don't want to do that to other people. Um, and you want people to remember you. So, you know, the more you can think about the way, and it doesn't, it's not bad to actually, it's great to memorize bullet points of of a an elevator pitch or an introduction mm-hmm. i think i think it's a really smart thing to do because you you'll make it unique every time you do it but you know that okay i talk about i'll talk about drug testing and blood glucose that's my you know how mm-hmm. i'll talk about most labs are not very sensitive that's my butt and that's and then my therefore i'll talk about my lab being great you know mm-hmm. my lab being more sensitive that's all you need to have memorized right and then people are interested in it and it flows it's not like, you know, you're trying to do 10th grade Shakespeare camp or some, you know, dumb, boring, thing. Not, that, right. <laughs> not dumb, boring, but you know, it can be right. So that's, that's where it can be really, really helpful that way. So yeah, that was, thanks for that great example. That was perfect. Oh, no problem. Yeah. I, I think stories are now even more important to have in your repertoire. So I know for me, that, that's one of the things that I am constantly looking for stories and, and trying to keep those examples so that mm. when the time comes, because if not, if you're not technical, you're like, OK, that's too much. I, I don't I can't relate. Or if I am pitching myself for an opportunity, whether it was a, a career promotion or whether I wanted to be the lead on a project or whatever the case may be. I know that I have to move fast. I got to draw the crowd in. And the, in this case, the crowd could be the hiring manager. It could mm-hmm. be the decision maker. And I need to do it quickly and not be all over the place. And there are mm-hmm. some things that, you know, that's just not going to stick. That's just not going to make you memorable. Mm-hmm. And that's where that's one thing I encourage my clients to do is to keep track of their wins. Right. Mm-hmm. I have it. I call it the cheat sheet of awesomeness or you can call it anything you want. But it's a spreadsheet. And you just especially if you've got projects that were good, big projects or whatever. You know, my my sister works for a um, uh, rebranding agency. They rebrand for banks. And so she's a project manager. Right. And so for certain projects, I'm like, you need to talk about what was wrong. You need to talk about. Can I say a cuss word on here? Is that OK? <laughs> They, they may censor you depending on what that cuss word it's is. It's just, okay. Well, you need to, it'll rhyme so people will get it. You need to show the grit and the shit. You need to show what the bad things were so that you can show how you solved that problem. Mm-hmm. And so you can't, you know, you don't want to make it as like, well, we had all these problems, right? But you do want to say like, look, we were $200,000 over budget 
And by doing this, this, and this, we were able to come in under budget, under budget, but that's big. People want to know that stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you just say, Oh, you know, we had some budget issues, not interesting, not doesn't, <laughs> no context doesn't, isn't specific enough, mm -hmm. you know? So that's, that's where uh, having that list of things that either were problems that got solved or were big wins. And you can talk about like the stakes that you had to overcome to get to those big wins always going to be interesting, especially like you say, to hiring managers or whoever is, and you don't, and you can just throw it out like that, like two sentences. We were way under, you know, it was, when I came on, it was this much over budget. When I left, it was that much under budget. That's really compelling and really interesting, you know, mm -hmm. and that's something that people are going to connect with. So um, yeah, I, I definitely, but it's hard for us with our, I, I think with, you know, everybody has a negativity bias to a certain degree. And for a lot of us, it's hard to remember that stuff later on when we need to remember it. Like that's a, a lot of my clients like struggle with that. Like, Oh, I get flustered and it's hard for me to come up with examples. And so when you sit down and you start to think of examples, mm -hmm. again, it can feel a little bit stilted while you're doing it. But then when you start getting to those, like you don't need to have your little note cards where you're <laughs> sitting around going, <laughs> and actually, but you know, you just have that in place so that it's kind of in your memory and you can start to pull that stuff out because you've taken the time to be intentional about it. Right. And think about, and, and thinking about, you know, what I also do with clients is have them categorize what are the key high things, attributes that you want people to think that, about you, right? Do you want mm -hmm. them to think you have integrity? Think about some stories that show that you have integrity. You don't just walk up and go, hey, I got so much integrity. Like, I mean, I'm doing jazz hands, but you know, <laughs> you don't walk up and do that, you, you know, but you can say that through your stories. Mm -hmm. And so you, you know, you can start to think about the stories and you can start to think about well, what to attribute does this highlight that I want to be part of my personal brand? And then you can kind of pick from those stories as well about, okay, well, here's one about integrity. Here's one about resilience. Here's one about, uh, you know, having grace under pressure. Mm -hmm. And and that is a way for you to show, not tell. I mean, even though you're telling, right? <laughs> right. I don't right. need to draw a picture of it, but you're showing what it, what happened in a mm -hmm. way that people can really understand. Yeah, I think that's I think that's important. I think you made a good point there that the stories mean a, a big stories make a big difference. And I know for me, there's a story that I tell all the time uh, because it really had an impact on my path. Um, and the story was around uh, investing, investing in myself. So a lot of times I, I get people to say, well, you know, you were doing this leader. I just had it today. I got a, a note. I completed a leadership program. And it was like, I know you're busy and I don't know how you have time to do all of this stuff. And that's commendable. And it, it didn't always start out that way where I, I felt like I could invest or, you know, mm. somebody else could invest in me. And so I can remember working for an organization. And at the time, I wanted to do a leadership training program. And they said, no. You know, you could do the program, but we're not going to cover the cost. And the mm. cost of that program was twenty five hundred dollars. And they said, well, we won't cover the cost of the tuition. But if you want to do the program, we will cover your time away from work. And so I can remember thinking like, now, who do they think they are? Like me participating in the program is going to help you like that. It was well, going to help me, but it's going to help you, you know, of me being a better employee. And so I was at a crossroads. I had a decision to make, you know, do I participate in the program or not? And I'm going to be honest with you. I was torn. 
I was torn like how like really like they're not gonna pay for me to be in this program how dare they Mm -hmm. but I was torn because I was thinking to myself like they want me (laughs) they want me to pay to invest in myself and and do this program and it made me think like why would I expect them the company to invest in me if I wasn't willing to invest in myself mm-hmm. and so for me that was a turning point for me and in, in investing in my personal development because I had that choice that I had to make and it was like I can't expect somebody to do something that I'm not willing to do myself Wow. And so, yeah, so I'm like, and, and the thing is, it wasn't about the money. It was, I think it was the, the point, like, yeah, I need them to, you know, that pay for that because studies even tell you that outside of a formal education, sometimes people are, are don't invest in, you know, the next step, master classes, mastermind, whatever the, the, the case may be, if it's not getting a degree or getting Mm -hmm. a certain certification or stuff like that and so you know i thought and i was like okay like i'm gonna go for it like i'm I'm having this battle with myself like am i gonna go for it (laughs) am i gonna make the investment and that was a a turning point for me and my whole mindset is that you can't expect somebody to do something that you were not willing to do for yourself and for me i kind of question like am i is this is this worth it but what yeah. I was really saying is, am I, I worth it? it? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I tell people that story, especially when I'm when I'm mentoring and coaching people or when I'm doing presentations, because sometimes I get that deer in headlights when I talk about, you know, making an investment and, and people, they see the, the whole iceberg effect, right? So they, they see on, on top, they see people getting promoted. They see people moving into lead roles. They see opportunities coming up for people. And they like, well, I don't like they doing it. They, I, I just see that they got a degree or I see that they got this years of experience. But what you don't see is mm-hmm. you don't see, you know, the investments that they're making in them, themselves. You don't see their personal board of directors. You don't see their mentorship circle. You don't see the late nights, the early mornings. You don't mm-hmm. see you know, the sacrifice that they make. So you only see the tip of the iceberg, but there's Mm -hmm. so much that you don't see. Mm -hmm. And just to bring it back to this topic of of personal stories and personal and brands is that, you know, if you don't create your brand or your narrative, guess what? Somebody's got to create it for you and you may not like it. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. And and, yeah, and, and actually you did an ABT with that story. Cause you, you, you did like, and, but what was the kind of crossroads and then therefore I decided I was worth it to pay for, you know? So do you see how that, I mean, it does mm-hmm. flow through if it's a good story, it definitely follows that structure, you know? Um, and that is a fantastic story about this kind of thing, because you're right. And this is, you know, sometimes we expect things from our employers that we're not willing to. And, and actually this is something that I was thinking about earlier today was, you know, I mean, I think that some of those questions that you had sent me ahead of time, you asked what was some of the, what's some of the best advice you've ever gotten. And I would say the golden rule is one of the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten. And also to ourselves. So, you know, how would you want to be treated? Do that, you know, for your employees, for your partner, for whoever, 
but also to yourself. And this sounds kind of silly because a lot of times we'll treat ourselves way worse than when we treat other people, mm. even though we wouldn't want to be treated by other people that way, we'll treat ourselves that way. And that's exactly what you were talking about in your um, story was like, okay, well, I, I, I didn't think I was w- willing to do that. And um, because for whatever reason, we all do that to a degree of like, well, I'll just work this one extra hour and da, da, da. And it's like, if you had your best friend or your sister or your daughter doing that, you would go, don't do that. Why are you doing that to yourself? You know, but yeah, you'll do it to yourself, you know? So I'm getting a little bit meta here, but um, yeah, I think that's a really good point and it's a powerful message. That's a great story for that. So if you are here in our virtual learning lab and you have some questions for Tessa, make sure you drop them in the chat. We will answer them live. I think she gave us a great framework that we are able to apply. And stories are the, the difference maker. Like I said, that's the, that's huge right now. So I'm in the lab space, which is in healthcare. And really what makes things stand out is is patient stories. You know, how did we know? Mm. How does that make a difference in the lives yes. of others? While people, you know, technology is great, but really people want to know. So how did this help? <laughs> how did mm-hmm. this help somebody? What was yes. the, the, the end, end goal? So I think it's that framework that she gave. If you think about that, and even think about that when you're interviewing, because now everything is situational based questions. <laughs> they mm-hmm. want to know what was the problem, you mm-hmm. know, what did you do, you know, and what was the outcome? And if you use that ABT uh, kind of framework, that will help you when you're trying to think about your 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 story or how you're going to answer uh, those questions. Yeah. And because I don't want people to get, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, complex about it, but a lot of people will talk too much, you know, if you, and, and so practicing that stuff is going to help you cut that down too, because we'll repeat ourselves. We'll give too many details. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of go off on tangents that don't need to be there. So especially if you're going to be in an interviewing situation, um, sitting down and thinking about that stuff and just, I mean, I think most people do that anyway, but being able to understand like, okay, it needs to have this as an overlying structure it'll help you to, to not ramble basically, which is really important. Absolutely. So I, I like to ask all of my leaders and, and mentors uh, this about some of their learning lessons along the way, because, you know, somebody that might be watching this uh, podcast after the fact or listening to the audio version may say, Cassidon, her story isn't my story. Everything's been well for her. And so what has been some of your learning lessons along the way? Because I think it's important uh, for our viewers and next generation of leaders to know that, yeah, you may see somebody that's successful and showing up today, but that's not always been the journey. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That's a great question. Yeah. So, I mean, um, when I was in my early twenties, I became a high school teacher. Uh, I was like 23, I think, or 22. And, uh, that was a really challenging time, especially to be that young doing it. Right. I taught uh, sophomore English and I was really scared. I had no clue what I was doing. I was in front of, you know, 40 students all the time. Um, I had no idea who this Miss Grant thing was going to be. Right. So I was always CASA. And then I was going to be Ms. Grant, right? So 
I actually, I, I didn't even know this was a thing. And there's a really great book about it called The Alter Ego Effect. And it's not about fake it till you make it. It's more about embodying an alter ego until you basically become that alter ego. And so for me, it was Judge Judy. <laughs> because <laughs> I just felt, I felt very insecure about being in a position of authority. I felt very insecure about uh, being able to manage my classroom, which is the hardest part of teaching is managing behavior issues and what have you. Um, and so I would watch Judge Judy every day. I mean, who wouldn't anyway, because she's hilarious, but, <laughs> and I would kind of embody her, you know, I would, I would, I, and I wasn't trying to just pretend to be Judge Judy, but it just gave me that little extra strength and, and backbone to where I wasn't, um, I wasn't necessarily doing what I would do normally, but I was embodying somebody who I thought I, sh how I thought I should be, which is somebody who has a sense of humor, someone who's fair, but tough and somebody who is trusted. Right. And I didn't know I was doing this at the time, but I, I totally was. And I mean, I don't even pick up judge Judy phrases. Like you can talk till I'm tall and you're short, but that doesn't change facts. Like, you know, she's just, <laughs> she's so sassy, you know, but it was, it, but that's what I wanted. I wanted something like that. And I've done that several times in my life around when I was really feeling unsure, when I was really feeling uncertain. Um, and actually I, I did write, I, um, I was part of a coaching book last year and there's an exercise in that if people want to grab it um it's called activate your life volume three but i it's all about it's called it's call it like what would super you do because people talk about you got to be this person you got to be a leader you got to do what a leader would do but if you don't know who that is it's really hard mm -hmm. to to be that person right because you are you but the whole idea is using stories and using archetypes like a, a leader or a warrior or a, um you know a judge to help you understand what that person would do and how they would be makes mm -hmm. it so much easier to start to be that. Right. You know, like I said, cause I don't like fake. I fix it. I don't like fake it till you make it. it. I get what fake it till you make it is. And I think it's, they're trying to do this, but fake it till you make it can just be another way to feed your imposter syndrome. If you're not careful, because you always mm -hmm. feel like a fake, but mm -hmm. with this, it's more like, no, I'm going to be like judge Judy, or I'm going to be like wonder woman, or I'm going to be like, you know, um, some one of my clients had um black panther which was fantastic so you know it's just like all of these different um, uh archetypes that you can use to help you get stronger and better um so that was something that i learned really early on with teaching and and um one of the other things i really learned i was a uh, i was uh, working in antarctica on and off for about five years and i had a an employee it was a winter down there so it's about it's dark for about five months uh down there during the winter because just the way that the earth's axis rotates. And I, and people get, they start to lose it. You know, they start to really, you know, this messes with your circadian rhythm and you don't sleep very well for the first three weeks. And it just starts to get really long. The hours and the days feel the same. And I had this uh, employee, it was just he and I, and I, we had started to, at kind of the same level um, years before. And then I became his boss and I did not, really truly think about the boundaries that I needed to put into place in order to make that relationship successful as it was evolving. Um, and it was a horrible failure. I mean, we had, I had to get HR involved at, towards the end of the season. Uh, my boss was very, very supportive and really amazing and helped me a lot, but I could see that part of the main reason was that I had not created good boundaries at the beginning. I hadn't been clear with him about my expectations. And then the whole thing devolved really quickly because I was being too friend, too chummy with him, which it was hard not to, because we had been friends. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, and, and 
And I still do think of him as a friend in that instance, but I just, I feel really bad about how that all went down because I screwed it up. You know, he has his responsibility too, but I could have done it a lot better and you don't, but you don't learn that stuff until you do it. Right. (laughs) And sometimes, I mean, sometimes the biggest lessons that we learn are because we totally screw up and, um, but those are the ones that last. Those are the ones that make, make you better. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, I think that that has been such a powerful, that was such a powerful lesson for me because I realized that it, it really, and this is something you learn if you work with kids as well, like you're hurting them more by not putting in good boundaries than you are by having to be the tough guy or the tough per- person, the tough woman uh, here and there. And, and once you have the boundaries in place, everything gets so much easier. People feel safer. They understand what's going on. They understand how to be. But if you don't do that, they're not going to get that. And, and, and everybody feels unsafe. And that's not good leadership, frankly. Absolutely. I think people really do want boundaries and structure, really. Yeah. I mean, they don't want you to be so rigid, but they do want some structure to know, you know, what are our boundaries? What can I do? What can I do? What are the expectations? So that's very important. So, oh, I think fundamentally people want to succeed. They do want to succeed. And if you don't give them the definite, the success conditions, they don't, feel motivated they don't feel like there's a point to things you know and so that's Mm -hmm. where the boundaries are so important because they understand here's how i succeed (laughs) it's very simple (laughs) you know yeah absolutely so i'd like to ask my mentors too you know what are you reading or what do you do for your personal development one Mm -hmm. what are you reading and then two what do you do for your personal development yeah no that's a great question um so I just recently read that book. It's called How Doing uh, So Good They Can't Forget You or So Good They Can't Ignore You. I think that's what it is. And that was really a fantastic book because it was talking about, um, you know, there's a 10,000 hour thing about, okay, if you do something for 10,000 hours, you're just, but it was talking about how, you know, if you really get to a level of expertise, you're going to get bored with it sometimes. And, and it's pushing through that boredom. And I think that that's something that doesn't get talked about enough. Um, you know, it depends on what the expertise is that you're trying to build, but uh, I really enjoyed that book. So it, it, I, I mean, I definitely, yeah, I read a lot of books around um, uh, self, I mean, definitely self-development. The Big Leap is another one that I really like, uh, Gay Hendricks, because he talks a lot about like these upper limits that we create for ourselves and how are we holding ourselves back with those kind of upper limit issues. Um and then, of course, I definitely work with a, I work with a coach and I also, well, several coaches, actually, because I think that whenever you have another perspective to help you, that's when you start to get stronger. And that's when you start to be able to get yourself outside of whatever story that you're telling yourself and that you're believing that's not really helpful to you. So um, it's not that I think that there's, you know, we make up stories all day, every day, right? Like how we interpret things as a story, how we how we understand things as a story. So anything that can help me get out of those stories, not that I can't believe my, in myself or understand what's important to me, but just so that I'm not um, thinking that certain things are the only way to be or mm-hmm. the only way to do things, that kind of thing. Um, I really love it when people can push me out of those boundaries a little bit more. Uh, so those are some great ones. I really... And then I take coaching programs too. I like to have be part of group coaching programs. Usually two a year, something like that. So I'm not, mm-hmm. um, I don't want to overwhelm myself. I get, cause then you don't implement. 
So it's like that blend of having right. having that information, but also having the time to implement it, and the mm-hmm. and the scheduling implementing it is huge for me. I took one um, called Leadership Beyond the Theory a couple of years ago, and it was just so fantastic. And he's very straightforward, but it was just you know it depends on who resonates with you and and what what their story and message is too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's so important to keep doing that because that's how we continue to grow, and it's always worth it to try to get better. I I really believe that. Absolutely. I definitely agree that you need a combination of things and you need to figure out what works for you. But don't just be a knowledge getter, people. Mm -hmm. That's right. A hoarder. (laughs) Don't be a knowledge hoarder and don't uh, ever act on the information that you get. So that's for me, that's uh, one of the the big things this year is uh, learn a little bit do a little bit, learn exactly. a little bit, do a little bit. And then that way uh, you are constantly implementing and applying uh, what you know. So for me, because I am a, a high C wire personality, I like the facts, I, I like the details yeah, and I like to see it all the way through and think it all the way through. But sometimes you can kind of, uh, that can kind of, have you not implementing because you're trying to get all the information so i'm challenging myself i do a little bit implement do a little bit implement so yeah and that's the way to do it because yeah i mean you can have that knowledge but if you don't use it you're going to forget it anyway and so then what was the point right um so yeah i that's and for me too it's easy to kind of get overwhelmed and go oh i'm going to get that course i'm going to get this course but then not actually be engaged in the group and I think that's a really important part of it too, especially if it's a group coaching program. I think you need to be present. You need to be able to engage. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So how can our viewers get and stay connected with you and learn more about your programs and and more about this framework and and how to be able to apply it? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. um, So I, I'm, my website is casagrant.com. It's just C-A-S-S-A, two S's. Um, and so they can always find stuff there. I have free resources. I have the super you, um, there's a worksheet on there for, they can run themselves through that exercise that I just talked about with kind of embodying that super version of yourself or, uh, this alter ego version of yourself. And then of course I'm on LinkedIn and Instagram quite a lot actually. And I'm doing a little bit more Facebook lately, but mostly it's, uh, LinkedIn is where I'm really at. And I really like, uh, connecting with people there. So I definitely will um, connect with people if they want to get in touch from LinkedIn. Uh, and then Instagram is something that I really enjoy too. So that those would be the three big places to, to find me and, uh, and grab some resources if you're, if you're into that. So um, I also have a thing about five story leadership stories, every leader should tell um, because or every leader should have so that they can just have this little, I think of it as like Hermione's magic purse full of stories, you know, mm-hmm. which you just can pull out. Oh, here's another one. Here's a good one. Um, so that people have that in their, in their back pocket. Awesome. So if you want to get in contact with Casa, make sure you go to her website, casagrant.com. You can also connect with her over on LinkedIn. So that this broadcast is streaming over there. So make sure you connect with her there or Instagram reach out. She has some awesome resources that you can take advantage of. And as we get ready to close out tonight's show, what is the one tidbit that you would like to leave our viewers with that they could use in their personal or professional life? We're all about giving you tips that you can use right away. 
Well, I think it comes back to what we talked about today. And it's, you know, the stories that you tell yourself are the stories that you're going to start to believe. So what story do you want to tell yourself? What story do you want to tell other people? So getting more intentional about your stories, literally, I mean, this sounds really cheesy, but it will change your life. You know, you can, you can choose those stories um, and you can start to tell them and, and live them. Uh, and it can be challenging, but it's always worth it to try. Absolutely. There's nothing more powerful than a storyteller. So think about some of the people that you admire, some of the people that has influence uh, over you and think about the stories that they tell. Why is it that you are are so intrigued by that person or like to follow that person? It's probably because they resonate with you and probably because of the stories that they tell. Absolutely. Yep. Well, this has been awesome. I have really enjoyed speaking with you and you reaffirmed uh, a framework that I that I learned that I definitely need to make sure that I uh, implement all the time. So thank you so much for coming and sharing with us in our virtual learning laboratory. It's definitely been an honor to have you. Thank you. This is so fun. I love this show and I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Anytime. You're welcome to come back anytime. So thank you, listener and viewing audience for tuning in to this week's episode of Leadership Tidbits with Coach T. Wilson. Get your stories. Make sure you apply the framework that Cass has shared with us, the ABT framework. It will help you as you are doing your introductions. It'll help you as you are interviewing. It will help you as you're selling your ideas, but it really is important for you in your career and or your business. So thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure that you join me on Thursday in our mentorship workshop, as well as our roundtable event the last Thursday of this month. And so I look forward to seeing you then. Until next time, share this podcast out with somebody who needs to hear it. And until next time, my friends, I hope you have an amazing week. Thank you, friends, for tuning in to another episode of Leadership Tidbits with Coach T. Wilson, where Taiwana speaks with leaders who share nuggets of wisdom that you can use in your personal and professional life. Follow her on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Coach T. Wilson. Connect on LinkedIn or visit www.coachtwilson.com. And remember, in life, learn as much as you can, appreciate often, and lead fearlessly. 